Previously on Poldark, Ross caused a huge upset when he defeated George and became a member of Parliament. Also, Tom Harry totally obliterated Sam Karn in a wrestling match, and we found out that Rowella was never pregnant, as we called. So, let's see how all of that follows up this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Said we couldn't go the distance. And we're back again. Lords of Grantham Poldark, Season 4, Episode 3. Corey, I feel like we just got to talk about it. Well, how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing, personally, I'm doing just fine. All right. How are you? I'm doing just fine, too. And but the Queen is dead. <laughs> just the Queen is dead. We're... We're not here to talk about our personal beliefs about the monarchy. As if you listen to our podcast in the past, you know how we feel. But the queen is dead, and production of the crown is halted. Yeah. Uh, so she passed away the next day after we finished recording. She didn't didn't wait for us, you know. So power power to the queen. She took a page out of Julian Fellows' book. Yeah. Just waited till the, the moment was right. Um. Yeah, man. <laughs> outpouring of reactions, but. You know what it's uh, led to? People are watching The Crown on Netflix. Netflix is laughing all the way to the bank. There has been a surge in viewership. It's back in the top ten. Little oh boy, do- I, should, I should throw it back in the title of our podcast, huh? I know. P- people. I hope people are, are tuning in for it. Uh, I hope people watching the show are also not taking everything on that show as to be facts, as we learned throughout watching it, how so much of it was just uh, made up for a dramatic effect. But, you know cool that people are trying to learn something i guess yeah let them learn let them uh <laughs> watch the dramatized version rather than the the real version enjoy the drama we exactly did. yeah so that, that's it and that's all for the queen uh they did pause filming a season six of the crown that shouldn't be a problem because uh, we're getting season five later this year, so we're not even to season six yet. But uh, that's that. <laughs> that's good. That's a good thing for for us and a good thing for fans of the royalty. Wait, what's good? What's good for us? That's that. Now, uh, <laughs> do you want to, any other news? Because I guess the, obviously the the queen was the big piece of news. Wait, wait, wait. It's good for us. Run that, it back. Uh, What's good for us? The crown is still coming out. Oh, okay. Sure. The- sure. Why not? I mean, if this you wonder, though, do they just take it up to the end? I mean, they're that close. Might as well just cover her whole life, right? Would that be another season? Would that be season seven or six? We'll just figure out how to wrap it up in six. Why do we need a seven? Just, you know, they jump around yeah, just in give, years anyways. Yeah, just give us like a Harry Potter epilogue, you know? Yeah. She died. There you go. She lived a long. She life. was heartbroken. She missed her her husband. She couldn't be that long without him. Well, in much lighter news, uh, one of the stars of Down Abbey is pregnant. Guess Dave. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Um, is it Larry Carmichael? Laura Carmichael? Nope. It's Lady Sybil. Jessica Brown oh. is pregnant. Now I hope that it goes nowhere like it did on the TV show. I hope it's much more successful. Oh, uh, that's got to people have to be talking to her about that on a daily basis. <laughs> she's probably already sick of hearing about about it, but all the more power to her. She's got a child on the way. Good times. All right. Good good for good for Jessica Brown Finley mm-hmm. and uh her husband Tom Branson. No, her husband I, I I think his name is actually Ziggy. So, don't know how I feel about that. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's pretty much it for the news outside of the world of uh, Poldark. You know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should get this episode of Poldark because, man, does a lot happen in this episode, and not even not even necessarily like 
juicy stuff. It's just a lot of table setting going on in this episode. Yeah, it's uh, yes, a lot of table setting. So where where do we start here? I feel like there's a couple easy ones that we can do. Well, we start the episode. We don't get any waves uh, on on Truro or. Uh, oh yeah, we <laughs> we get a whole season of of Congress or Parliament. Right, we see a, a poorly CGI animated boat floating on the water in London. <laughs> And yeah, Ross is in Parliament. He's debating. Yeah, yeah, and this is a this is an interesting interesting way to start the episode, and just to move us through basically a, a not even a full year, regardless mm-hmm. of how how much height and age Jeffrey Charles gains, but it just gets us from when he leaves to the following like. March or something like that, or was it later than that? I didn't write down the dates. It's about like six months that he's gone, or so. Well, I guess it was there. They, they he was, misses Christmas at least. Yeah, they they adjourn for the summer, so I assume it's like September to March or so. Uh, and yeah, we see Ross writing to Mills the whole time. She she's writing back to him. Uh, and all I could think during this this scene was, man, good thing Armitage died. <laughs> Otherwise, Ross would just be worried the whole time of, of, of is she shacking up with him? You know. It, it, He's already worried enough about the ghost of, of Armitage, so it's kind of a fortuitous thing that that guy passed away when he did. Yeah, <laughs> great. There you go. Uh, but we see like moments of Ross in Parliament arguing for anti-slavery on the bill, <laughs> you know, making really good points that children in the North are dying. <laughs> To which people are like, we want them to die. What do you expect yeah, us to do? Booing. <laughs> yeah, they're booing him saying these things. Uh, like, very, what do you mean you don't want eight-year-olds working in, in factories? Yeah, it's very easy to root for, for Ross here. Um, so what direction do we want to go? There's so many things going on in this episode. So I think we should get started. I feel like Thali is a fairly easy subject to discuss. The man is on the sauce. He is. I mean, I guess he always has been, but... Hasn't yeah. quite been the 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 level in which it's been addressed here. Right. It seems like every scene this episode with Thali, someone is saying, the guy likes to drink. Oh, man, he is just putting them back and stuff. Like, they, they are definitely noticing that something is a, a little... I don't know if they're... I don't know if it's so much they're noticing something's up, but it's, like, apparent to everyone. This guy just likes to drink recently. Yeah, and we see that uh, he's kind of riffing on people. He's he's making fun of Ross when Ross comes into town. He's he's hanging around this this mysterious older kind of uh, more age appropriate woman, though. You know, one might say in real life, uh, Prudy is two years older than Thali, but in the show they make it like Thali's like a seventy year old man and Prudy's like a sixty year old woman. Let's see ages, yeah, you know, yeah, but, oh, that's. In that gray hair. Uh, yeah. So we we get a couple scenes with Thali, and, and late in the episode, there's a party going on at the beach. Mm-hmm. And we find out that this woman that Thali is, is canoodling with throughout the episode is actually still married to a man who's very much alive. Yeah. And there's just a big brawl on the on the beach. And Ross just happens upon this. He, we see the Karn boys are fighting and a bunch of other people. And he's like, what's going on? Oh, well, Thali was hooking up with someone who's not single. And that's just enough for Ross to get into another fist fight. Oh, he, he, he throws down. There's elbows thrown. They show him charging the scene. He's really running out there. <laughs> uh, and he just wallops people. He does like the whole like act of like kicking people down punching them and stuff like oh yeah there's some real there's actually probably a stunt coordinator involved in this this is actually that thorough of a fight Mm -hmm. but you know they take care of business and then they're back at the bar Thali is drunk again we we Uh, forget the fact that Thali lays there motionless for like a minute yeah after the fight's over because he's gotten the snot kicked out of him and Sam feels bad for having defended such an adamant sinner yeah, I mean he's not wrong, and this is the thing that gets me about this episode is you know, when when a couple 
couple people make jokes about Thali. Ross kind of sits there with it and is like, oh, man, this ain't that funny, actually. And then after the fight, he gives a hug to, to Thali, you know, like, we did it for you. But there's, like, a certain, like, he puts some oomph behind his hug and stuff, and it doesn't seem like he's that, like, sure, we're going to have Thali in this world that much longer. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's seen, he's seen, uh, what's Judd die and come back to life and right. run away. And now he's seen Thali effectively die and come back to life. So, right. Cause I mean, Thali is laying there more or less dead. <laughs> Did you think Thali was going to die? Yeah. They, they're, te- they were teeing it up that way for sure. I mean, I think that would have been a shot in the arm that, that this kind of needed, but I guess Ross kind of needs that salty father figure always around. So I get it. Thali will die when he needs it. When, when we need a reason on the show to remind Ross of where he comes from. The sea. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. He'll die at an important moment to really bring it all home. Yeah. That's uh, that's it. That's all I guess for Thali. He's still alive. You know, like well, the song says, He's still alive. Yeah, he's definitely still alive. Um, other low-hanging fruit is with this time lapse, all of a sudden Caroline is popping out a baby real fast. Yeah, so basically if you want to see the time lapse, it's about nine months. Mm-hmm. And Ross comes home just in time for her to begrudgingly give birth. And we see there's a scene of... Well, they even give birth before Ross gets back. Yeah, so uh, yeah, but his first interaction with Dr. Dwight is like he's a new father. Well, well just to comment on the birthing scene, it's insane how it's literally just Dwight, no help. I get that he's a doctor, and the baby is again is there's a little bit of like, you know, maybe it's like some kind of moisture on him, but the baby's pretty clean. It's incredible. Well, he did his job. We don't know if this is 10 seconds or 10 minutes after the baby was born. One of the greatest doctors of all time, the, the, this Dwight fellow here. Oh yeah, the the upgrade from choke to D- Dwight is is immeasurable. Yeah. Uh, so they're just talking about the child, and, and as you're saying, he he says to Ross like, "Oh, well, well, I feel like we're we're intersecting a lot of things here." But for some reason, Ross wants to go for a swim. Yeah, he's home. He th- yeah. oh, he says he feels fat because he hasn't been working in the mine and working in the fields, and he wants to prove himself. Were you were you curious to see how what fat Ross looks like? Oh, I was so curious because we see Dwight in the water. Dwight's no slouch. No, but he he's definitely more of a, a cardio bunny uh, compared to to Ross, who's oh yeah, know, he's got a swimmer's body for sure. Yeah, swimmer or or, or runner body uh, on, mm-hmm. on uh, Dwight. There, he's not he's not as swole as a uh, Ross is. No, but uh, I mean. Ross stops short, though, of taking his shirt off. I, this is the one time where I was like, no, take the shirt off, dude. Let's see. Let's see what a pudgy Ross looks like. Well, we know Aiden Turner probably, probably wasn't wearing a fat suit under there, so he had <laughs> couldn't have hidden those abs. But I, I love how he sees his shirtless friend, and then they chase, uh, they run at each other like, hey, hey. Well, th- that is the widest wide shot Poldark has ever used. Mm-hmm. Got to look, make them look like they're they're similar sizes, you know. Pull the camera a little uh, pr- pretty far back, uh, and yeah, he tells him, "I got a daughter named Sarah." Sarah Caroline, named is after Sarah Caroline, or is it Pen- Sarah Penevin? Well, Caroline is her middle name, so she just took her mom's first name as her middle name. Mm, well, she didn't have the choice; she's an infant. <laughs> that's true. I think that yeah, that's how it goes. So Sarah Caroline Ennis. Uh-huh. And we see that even prior to the birth, right, Caroline is yeah. still doubling down on the fact that she does not want kids. No. There's a, there's a scene with Verity. She's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's with Demelza and the two Poldark kids. And she said it's hell for her. I mean, some people just don't want kids. They just have to have them, but they don't want them. And we see throughout the episode, every time she's around the kid, she's not happy. Every time that Dwight is there together and not around baby Sarah, she's like, all right, Doc, like you still really miss that baby, don't you? To the point that it's like, enough. Stop being so negative about your newborn. Yeah. But 
something's going to come up because Caroline's talking about the child growing up and it's right when Dwight is holding the child and it seems like he notices something or on her neck or, or wherever and they reference the child again in a later yeah, scene. Yeah, pulse. Yeah, and he's, he's looking forlorn about her. I don't know, man. Who goes first, the baby or the tholly? I don't think the baby's gone. I think we've already lost a baby on Poldark. I don't think we're going to lose another one. You think we're just going to smash cut to the next episode and it's going to be gone? No, I said I don't think the baby's gone. Oh, you don't think the baby's going to go? Okay. So I, yeah, I think we've already, I th- oh, I think Dolly's going to go. I think the baby will have some health issue. But then okay. again, so did baby Valentine. And look how he turned out. He's a little weird creep. I can see the baby not sticking around for too long. They got to give Caroline and Dwight something to work with. I guess so. I I don't think they'll be that cruel. The show's already been so cruel with with the loss of children. Well, they're on season four, man. They need, they're running out of ideas <laughs> in some respects. So they're not Julian uncreative though. We'll see, man. We'll see. D- Dwight does not look too uh, pleased though. Well, I wouldn't look too pleased if his wife literally said she prefers the dog to the baby. I mean, there's families like that. <laughs> they treat the dogs better than the people. Um, yeah, why is Verity here in this episode? I don't think they quite explain it. But <laughs> she has something in her contract. She has to show up for a couple episodes every season. Yeah, well, we see that she's uh, she's hanging out with Elizabeth, and even though... Francis and Captain Blamey buried the hatchet. Mm-hmm. Captain Blamey still won't come to to their house. Easy way to not pay an actor. Sure. He won't <laughs> yeah. go stay with, with Demelza during that time either. I miss Blamey. Mm-hmm. I think we need Blamey back. Yeah, he was an interesting character. I'd like to see him spar with George. And their kid, they have like a... Their, if Jeffrey Charles is 25 years old at this point, their kid mm-hmm. has to be like 15... Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, he's got to be up there. Then, well, the child came through last time, remember? And it was hitting. He was hitting on Del Demelza. Oh no, that was um, was that his actual son or was that Verity's stepkids? Oh, the stepkids. That's right. The stepchildren were hitting on <laughs> Demelza. Bring them back. I want to see that going on. Sure. I mean, that's all blamey drama. We need to bring back blamey. We only have a season and a half left. I I blame it on on Verity. Just bring them around. Because, you know, you who doesn't have that friend where it's just like, you know, I like your significant other. Why don't you bring them around more often? Nah, no, no, no. I'm just here for a night. It's like, come on. We like your significant other. They don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the truth of his friend. Blamey actually doesn't like Poldark or Ross or any of the Poldarks or anything. <laughs> yeah, even though they, you know, buried the hatchet with Francis, apologized to Francis, turned a new leaf, still no good. But we like you, Blamey. I don't like you. <laughs> you don't understand. That's why I don't come around. Uh, and honestly, that's the smartest choice because there's always drama going on. Um, so that's that with Verity. Uh, do we want to talk about Whitworth? Sure. Fairly, again, fairly simple plot. Mm-hmm. Still trying to get back in bed with, uh, with Morwenna. Mm-hmm. And his and mom comes around. Yeah. Uh, she is not willing to do anything with him. And he's like, you know, we need a governess. And mm-hmm. she, she tells him the child is only two. Mind you, mind you, the child looks like he's five pushing on six. But she tells him the child is two. Mm-hmm. And she's not listening. But as you said, the mother comes around and she's like, no, this, this needs a child. And before the episode is over, we see that there's a governess working there. And Morwen is trying to tell her. No, I I got this, and the governor is saying, the governess is saying, I'm, I get paid to do this. This is my job. I gotta <laughs> take care of this child. It's <laughs> the easiest paycheck she ever earned. That governess. Yeah. But that sister, she's bad. Oh, she thinks up. A, we see a picture or a, a shot of her in her house. The roof is leaking. Mm-hmm. Her husband is uh, sleeping in a chair. The librarian. I can't believe that. That was the guy she actually ran off with. I thought it was just a, a guy part of the con to get some money out of Whitworth. She actually ran off with this guy. Yeah, it's especially strange considering that this whole thing was a ruse, that she probably knew she wasn't pregnant the whole time. 
like, wouldn't you go for someone nefarious instead of a librarian? Like, don't just get hot. a sucker. Just go for someone hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she's, she's no slouch in the looks department. No. And, but, we, but she's, she's got a leaky roof. Yeah, and we see this moment where she looks down at her foot and she sees a hole in her sock with her toe coming out and she thinks she's uh, found a way to get some money. That's all it takes. A hole in the sock. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she reemerges and is talking to, what's his face? Whitworth. Whitworth. She calls him and she says, I have a couple of your books. Come pick them up when my man isn't here. Yeah. It's so funny because in that moment we see Whitworth talking to uh, Morwenna saying, you and that dastardly sister who I never want to speak to again. And then he opens the letter. It's right from Rowella. And he's like, well... Maybe I'm in luck. Yep. It's so wild, too, that Ruella would write to him without telling Morwenna that she's doing this. Well, I mean, I think we've learned that Ruella is not a noble person. She's only looking out for herself. It's true. Regardless of how much we'd like for her to look out for her sister, who's being emotionally and physically abused. Yeah. Do we get a resolution to that? Does Ruella actually show up with him? Yeah, she goes to Roella goes over to the house. Mm-hmm. They exchange the book, and there's a a bit of a, hey, maybe you can come back again kind of situation. And oh, she right. talks about how how poor she is. Right, and she takes her shoe off, and he sees the sock. Uh, you know, she's got her foot with like in a. She, she got a good stocking. clean sock on this time. Right, but he's just like just looking at that, and just I'm so done with this guy. Hmm. But he also manages to annoy Ross. And George in this episode, too. And minor plots where he refers to his uncle, the Godolphin, Conan Godolphin. And Ross uh-huh. is like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. And what's the thing? Because they have a conversation where... Because, uh, yeah, Ross is traveling back. And he asks like Ross for Ross's favor. And Ross is saying, well... Why don't you pay your servant? <laughs> oh, yeah. He basically says pay the reverend a, a more fair fee Yeah, because he, he does the, all the work. Yeah, the magistrate only makes 45 pounds, increases to 200. And Whitworth is why, to which Ross says he does all the work, which shuts Whitworth up real quick. And then we see, we see you know, Ozzy, Ozzy still like buddies with George. And this is the mm-hmm. thing about these characters that, that make me a little perturbed is that their endgame game basically makes them socially enslaved to where they are. So, like, George has to be friends with Ozzy Whitworth. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You can you can see it's the one-sided where he just kind of nods his head and doesn't pay attention to this guy who's he, always hanging around him. But he's got to do it. He's definitely got to do it. <laughs> but uh, Whitworth comes into some interesting information. So he's taking – his attorney calls him, Pasco calls him, and mm-hmm. he has to go tend to this older man who – is looking to kind of be absolved of his sins before he passes. But his sins aren't the ones that you're typically, that you typically see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy is just speculated at a lot of stock and may have used money that he didn't have to speculate on it. Yeah. And so as Whitworth then explains to George, that means Pasco's bank may be in trouble because this guy spent a lot of the money there. Oh, and George and, and Uncle Uncle Carrie are thrilled. Yeah. Now, we spent a lot of time dancing around George and Ross, so I think we should probably get to this because then it will all add up together, right? Yeah, I feel like George is, is fairly straightforward. He's He says he can't win the vote. He wants to buy his way into power by sort of doing what Bassett has done, which is own the the MPs of a certain area. Mm-hmm. And he meets this guy, Monk Adderley, who is a terribly creepy looking man. Very stern. Stern yeah. looking face. And to be honest, this whole plot really kind of bored me and confused me. Like he's just basically trying to win the favor of these wealthy people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he explains it pretty clearly. He wants to buy a borough, mm-hmm. uh, which has, which 
if he owns it, he can then kind of push around the people who live there to vote in his favor for members of parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he holds a gathering, this party, and this Adderley fellow introduces him to a couple, to someone who, who has some boroughs, including one that has two uh, members of parliament because it's so, so big. And it's up for grabs for him to pay for because then he can, uh, and then he could hold a lot of power in government. Mm-hmm. That's, that's his way. Yeah, so basically George spends the whole episode trying to impress this guy and win yeah. favor with these people. And, and really, that's the story. And as soon as he like starts to get an upper hand, he even like approaches Ross. Like, oh, hey, Ross. How's it going, dude? And, and you, mess, you, mess, like, you like London? And Ross is like, yeah, London's all right. See you around, jackass. <laughs> see, see ya. Yeah. Uh, now, we've seen George do a lot of bad things on the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pretty much led to the death of Aunt Agatha. He's put out a lot of people. Slumlord actually may be one of the lowest lows he's had. You think? I mean, just owning and pushing people around when it comes to rent and everything like that. He's that's a certain kind of scum. That, that it's pretty low. I'll see how effective he is when he gets there. Uh, part of me doesn't know how far he's gonna get. And we see him talking with Kurt Carey a lot this episode. Uncle Carey, he's on board. George even alludes to, to children. To which Carrie's like, huh? And George's like, well, we'll get there, maybe. We'll have a child. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Don't, don't hold me to that, bro. Uh, but that is going on. And then we also, as you've mentioned, Dave, well, why don't we roll it back? Let's just start with Ross. Ross writes all these letters and decides, well, oh boy, Lord Falmouth gives him a speech that I, it's like, dude, you don't know the depth in which you're talking right now mm-hmm. where he says, if my nephew was here, he would tell you not to let politics get in the way of your wife and your family. And it's yeah. like, well, if your nephew was here, he probably would say a lot about Ross's wife. He would say too much. Uh, and, and because the, the thing that's happening is the mine, it's uh, running dry a little bit right now. It's a little light. On ore and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Ross will eventually come home, but I think we should just briefly touch on his activities before he comes home. Yeah, he goes to like some festival. You can clearly tell that they spent budget on having this, you know, a fire breather. Show. Yeah, circus show at night, and he happens across someone we uh, we all know. Well, Jeffrey allegedly John. we all know, but you know, growth spurts happen quick in the eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds. Jeffrey Charles, he's suddenly like 18, out of nowhere. And he's drinking. Dude, what do you think of this version of Jeffrey Charles? I'm not against it. I like little, I like little teenage Jeffrey Charles, though. He's, he's, this guy's not my least favorite Jeffrey Charles, but he's not my favorite. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like this guy. <laughs> I, I feel like this, this character on a teenager was humorous because you just don't expect that kind of potty mouth in the era like of just mm-hmm. talking back and stuff. Now it seems a little arrogant. It's the way I it, it registers with me. Yeah, little, maybe. But I, I think it's all kind of rebellious in, in a oh, yeah. playful way. But I think that he looks more like a spoiled rich kid than he does a, a child rebelling against his obnoxious uncle and stepfather. That is the other thing. The actor that they chose for this role looks like a Muppet. He has this gigantic mop of hair on his head and these huge eyes, and it just doesn't look natural. The guy doesn't look like a human. He looks like a Muppet. Mm-hmm. That's just my take. All right. That's his fair take. I, it just, whenever his mug comes on the screen, I'm just like, get it off. This is just a weird-looking dude. Bring back the what? old Jeffrey Charles and just say he's 18. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just say the just child's Just put him 18. in stilts. <laughs> exactly. Why not? We have the technology. Age him. Age him up. But we see Ross is at this party, and two ladies are like, "Come with us, Minister or MP Poldark." And Jeffrey Charles is like, "See you later, bro." The member of Parliament's got to go to work, and they—they are all about him. They're all sniffing him and everything, and he just—he doesn't—he doesn't bite. He doesn't go for it. I thought for a second he might. I'm glad oh, he didn't. So. 
no way. He's I, a change I man. you know Ross. I, yeah, I guess he is a change man. He's had his ups and downs in the past, but it was good that he didn't. But I just love the fact that his nephew is there. He's like godson, yes. and he's like, "See ya. I'm going alone with these two women." That's so strange. Uh, but you know that's that's London for you. It mm-hmm. seduces you. But yeah, Ross has got to go home because he's got to take care of some mind business. He's got to figure out another plan for them. Mm-hmm. And we see his. He's on the the cart with Ozzy, and that's where they have that awkward conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, speaking of awkward conversations, we see him reunite with Demelza. Yeah, he has some uh, choice words when he sees her again. They're happy to see each other, and he says, "You look thinner." Which, for any other woman in the world, I don't know about you, Dave. I, for me, I think they would probably slap me in the face if I said you look thinner, if I saw them for the first time in a long time. Uh, eh, I think there's much worse things to say. You could say the opposite of that. They, you, you could. Yeah, just don't, talk, just don't comment on the weight. Just, just avoid that. What are you doing, Ross? What is this? What? Thinner is the, the one to say out loud. If you got to choose, just don't say it. Yeah, just well, Ross looks, is also... healthy. He's a politician, so he probably just erred on the side of caution. Okay. I don't think that's the cautious side. But, yeah, they're happy to see each other. And he really throws himself into being around the house and stuff. We, we see Garrick licking off the table. Which, by the way, Garrick was there before Jeffrey Charles was born. If Jeffrey Charles is 18, that Garrick is ancient at this point. <laughs> For a golden right. retriever at 18 years old, that's a record. <laughs> That's not a golden retriever. That's worse. That's like a rat dog. <laughs> it's a mutant dog. And Caroline's dog is also old too. Let's not forget these are he- he- superhero dogs. Do you think someone was like in the wastewater that made them grow stronger? In the in the where Ross is swimming. That's why Ross is so shredded, and the dogs live to be twenty five <laughs> yeah. years old. The strong currents. So potentially so baffling. Um. But. Yeah. He's around town and he, mm-hmm. he comes up with a plan for the for the mine. That, oh, great scene. Great scene. Yeah, he, he's like, why don't we tunnel into Wheel Maiden? Yep. And Zachy and Paul are like, Come on, man. We, yeah. like, we mean we mean no disrespect. But this is not your world anymore. And Russ is like, it's been like six months, dude. It's my world. Yeah. And they're like, well, we'll literally have to live underground for a while to make this happen. <laughs> this is not easy to do, man. And apparently Sam is like number three in, in the rankings of the mine. Yeah, sure. He's a preacher. Like, this dude has a job. And on the side, he's also fighting with Thali and managing the mine. And an amateur uh, wrestler. That's uh, true. Yeah. That's, well, that, that goes in with fighting with Thali. <laughs> yeah. Uh but they kind of end that scene where it's just like, okay, you're you're the captain, Ross. We'll reconsider this, you know. We'll yeah, he's take, like, give me a, a day, break. I'll figure it uh-huh. out. And then he comes back and he says, "I think we should do it." And they said, "Well, who who are you to tell us what to do?" And he goes, "I'm the one who's going to be in the mine. Let's get working." And it's just so funny to me because like. Let's just think about this. And all his plan is just to come back and push, push even harder. Like, no, there's a lot of ore there, guys. Believe me. We got to do this. We'll do we see. expect? Do we expect there to be some intersection here between the borough that uh, George is looking to own and, and this mine? Is that going to be some controversy there? I don't think that'll be. I think what I could see happening is they do hit it big. But all this stuff with Pasco's bank means that George gets a huge cut of it. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, as much as they're planning to do this whole mining venture, will they have the funding to do it? Which mm-hmm. means that if they don't, the mine is suddenly at risk of going under again, which could then lead to him trying to reopen, an, you know, another mine or something or what. He is a miner. He is a miner. Uh... And we see Ross about town. As we mentioned, he, he beat up the people beating up Thali. He goes mm-hmm. to the, he stops by the gathering at the the Poldark house. Uh, Trenwith. Trenwith. Uh, he runs into Elizabeth there. 
He's drunk. Is he that drunk, though? Oh, he's absolutely drunk. Okay. Because this is after he goes to the bar, after the Thali fight. Sure. So he's been drinking at the beach, drinking at the bar. And then he goes over, and she's there. And he's like, well, how's Valentine holding up? Yeah. And, and uh, it's just like, whatever. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, and we see that uh, this this Monk Adderley fellow comes out and... Is it just me, or is he getting a little overprotective of Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. He's definitely not aware of the situation or, or not feeling the surroundings here. Like, yeah, she's a married woman, man. And he's very protective. Like, this guy bothering you? Come come with me. You know? <laughs> who who are like, you? Did you say Ross Poldark? Ross is like, yeah, I did. That's me. The senator. Well, he doesn't even say senator. It, it, that's the that's the twist. Is you expect the guy to know him from his illustrious history in the area, but no, it's because he's a politician, and that's where he heard the name. It's like ah, so Ross is developing a reputation. It seems like. Uh, but that's that for now. With that monk Adderley in him. Mm-hmm. And then we see Ross goes home. Uh huh. And Elizabeth's like, so tell me where you were. And he's like, well, I went to the beach. Dolly started a fight. We won the fight. Went to the bar. And you're like, uh-oh, Ross. And then he says, and then I went over to the Empara, or Trenwith, whatever one it is. I always forget. Get it mixed up. And I talked to Elizabeth. And, and Demels is like, oh, my goodness. And Ross is like, no, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Not, I like the way they had that conversation where he's like, yeah, I went over to the house. And she's like, to see Elizabeth again? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> so? What? <laughs> I you gotta give it to him. He's he's doing his thing. He's coming direct, and they rehashed the conversation. Like, man, can I? You know, can you get over this? And and it's like, yeah, because was it? What, what's the way they say it? She's like, I'm I'm keeping up an ideal. You're keeping up with a ghost. It's a little bit different, Ross. Like, understand? Like, you know, you can still hook up with this. Yeah, I can't hook up with a ghost. I hope you understand mm-hmm. this. Um, but like the Elizabeth we've seen in the past several episodes is so different. Like mm-hmm. I do feel like both of them, and I think we reached that agreement between them in a prior conversation, is that they really do just need to learn to trust each other that they're not going to do this. Yeah, the spark is gone. Mm-hmm. And ju- uh, just in the way, because Ross says that to Demelza that he thought that she had spent the past eight months mourning. Hugh Armitage, and she's like, are you serious? I got kids to raise. I got a farm to tend to. I got to be your voice of reason at the mine. There's nothing yeah. going on here that's you need to worry about with me. And, and Ross makes the best point. He's like, look, do we, ha- we have enough to worry about. Do we need to rehash this whole plot line? And she's like, nah. And then they just bang it out, and that's the end of the episode. That's, yeah. And Ross also buys her earrings, too. Oh, that's right. He did early in the episode look for her earrings and get her some nice ones there from uh, London. And he says how much he hates the sort of false, rich, hoity-toity life of London. Yeah, it's not for him. And he, he, you know, there's some side commentary there where he's like, oh, it's cold here all of a sudden. He's not acclimated to where he's from. Nope. And we nearly touched on everything, except there's a new woman with eyes for Sam Karn. Rosina. Uh, Drake Karn, not Sam Karn. Oh, right. Drake Karn. Yeah, yeah. Sam Karn's got nothing going on. Drake Karn. Oh, Rosina. And we see that Demelza and Sam are trying to make this happen, but Drake... In Verity. Because there's that scene where they're like, oh, yeah, trying to play matchmaker again? She's like, well, you know, you did well for me last time, (laughs) Demelza. And Sam reiterates, like, "Why, why not go for this Rosina? And and he is very clear about it. The woman that you love is married and has a child, dude. <laughs> like this ain't even this ain't gonna be easy, my friend. He won't hear it. He says he's you know he's in love, love with uh, Roella, not Roella, Morwenna. <laughs> Sorry, Sam is Sam is really starting to look like a dog. I mean, he looks like he's like really he's a real sad boy, and he even you goes mean Drake down, or Sam. Drake, Drake. I mean, darn, darn okay. these Carn boys. Drake goes down to the beach and he goes back to the wishing well where more uh, when I made a, a wish and then he puts his palm in there to make the wish too. These names are stupid. <laughs> and he wishes that 
Ozzy Wentworth will die. I, we don't know the wish exactly that he makes, but that'd that be a good be one. It. I mean, if there's one to make, make that one, sure. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's it for the episode, though. Good episode. I wasn't the biggest fan. It wasn't my favorite. It was my least favorite of the season so far, but it was sable setting. Yeah, it was work that had to be done. If it helps, Dave, it's the lowest rated episode of the season on IMDb. Okay, Seven, that's 7. fair. 7.9 compared to everything else. That's at least an 8.1. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, it's funny though. Season 5 I've heard people aren't thrilled about. I know I talked to my mom. She didn't tell me what happens, but she's not thrilled about. 7.9 is as good as it gets in Season 5. So oh, we'll no. We get there. <laughs> oh, God. No spoilers though. Because we don't know anything. Uh, power rankings, though. Let's get to them. Who do you got going down, Dave? We're going down number three. I got Tholly. Because okay. he avoids dying. But he's messing around with a lady that is worse looking than Prudy. And it turns okay. out that woman is married with kids. And those kids come and beat the tar out of him. It happens. It happens. There's no good way, you know, out of a, out of an ass whooping. <laughs> no, no, unless uh, Ross is there to save you. Uh, well, number three, I got Marwena. Things are just mm-hmm. not going great for her. She has to deal with the governess at home now. Just continues to be hard times for her. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Well, number, two, number two, I I got Ozzy Whitworth because sure. Even though he gives George this little nugget, we see in the beginning of the episode when he's on the the, the cart, the carriage with Ross, he's still waving this carrot of this rich family member trying to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get it. And then we see his mom is kind of trying to clean up his mess. And I think that might be a whole other can of worms we have to deal with. And we see Marwenna still is not doing her wifely duties. And he's being lured back into a trap with uh, Roella. Even though we, we're on Team Roella. Yeah. Not great for him. Even though he's terrible and a bad guy, sure. he's, his idiocy is shining in this episode. Well, to, to balance that out, I got Roella at number two. This woman oh. had it made in the sun with walking away with that money. And now she's got a leak in her roof. She's got to expose Deadbeat. her feet again to this creep. It's not a good time for Roella, man. We thought she had it all. She she's got to sink down deep again. That's what happens when you you shack up with a librarian. Heck, come on, man. <laughs> I worked at a library. It's been like nearly was it nine eight, eight years since I've worked at a library. Okay. Okay. That's why right. I'm just going off for Roella. Okay. All right. All right. Well, who's number one going down for you, Dave? Uh, this this might seem controversial given the episode, but I got Caroline at number one. She is not happy about being a mother. Okay. And the fact, I think the fact that she had a healthy, a potentially healthy child, uh, I think she's being very dismissive of her husband's feelings. And yeah. she's also, like, she says out loud that she prefers the dog to her baby, <laughs> which is so wild. I don't know. I, I think, I, you don't know anyone who, who says that? Not literally, not to a newborn, <laughs> maybe to like a 20-year-old or like a rebellious yeah. teenager. You don't say to a baby that all it does is eat, sleep, and poop. Like, you don't say, well, the dog is better than you. Be more like the dog. Be please. more like the dog. Park. Yeah. Well, who do you got going down to number one? The dude got his ass kicked. It was Stolly. He, he He is a mess of a man right now. And he, he was. we literally thought he was dead. We nearly lost him. This guy's got to learn a lesson or else he's going to keep falling down these rankings, man. This is not good good looks for him. When Ross is concerned about you, gravely concerned about you, that's not good. Yeah, when, Ross is thinking about an intervention for Thali. Yeah. I, I just do, I do love that shot where they just show like widescreen and it's just Ross charging at the camera because <laughs> he's going to go kick some guys in the face. Like It almost looks like he does a Haluma kick to one guy where he just literally just Kicks him to the face. Oh yeah, Ross goes goes in. He fights like he's never fought before. There's so many of these people on the beach. It's insane. Like how All did these, that go? What crockers? Is that their the fam- crockers? Yeah. Was like Thali walking along the beach, and then these guys just showed up and started beating him. Like how did they get to that place? 
I just love that. I want I want to watch the preamble to that. So like a preacher, a Methodist preacher, (laughs) Drake, and this sixty year old pirate are on a beach, and these Crocker kids come and they're like, "Hey, were you banging our mom?" And he's like, "Huh, your mom?" And I bet you there's a deleted scene there because you think about it, Drake is already at the beach for Morwenna's thing, you know, with with making a wish or whatever, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's something where like. Dolly and Sam went to go talk to him or something along the way or they Well we knew there's Sam... a party on the beach. Ross got invited to a party on oh, the beach. Okay. Yeah, there's just too many details on this show sometimes. <laughs> in, in an episode like this where it's a lot of exposition, you just get like lost in the sauce. It's just of a little what the bit, little man. things are. I can't compete with a ghost here. Um Well who do you got going up, Corey? Well number three I got this Adderley guy, this monk Adderley. You know, he holds the okay. purchase strings to this uh, burrow. Uh, he stands to make a huge profit from from George. Sliding in right there at number three. Okay. Well, I got I got a. He's back. He's gained a foot in height, and he's drinking. It's Jeffrey Charles. All right. I just think that the fact that we see him so realized, and we see that he's old enough to have a little bit of of personal leeway, like. He's back home. He's he's a bit of a social chess piece now. Yeah. And there's too many moving pieces with this overall buying a borough plot for me to really make a, a stand in any given direction. But sure, undeniable that Jeffrey Charles is, is making some positive moves. All right. Well, at number two, I got Mr. Ross. Okay. Uh, you know, he he's a power player in politics there. He's doing well for himself. He's got a great idea for the mind. He's able to win over people even as they begin to doubt him uh, on his positioning. Uh, and he beats up a lot of guys on the beach. That always wins. Okay. Points there. All right. Yeah. Well, number two, I got I got the good doctor. He, for one, is happy he's a father. He's worried about this heartbeat mm-hmm. issue, but we see his, Do we his know it's pure a joy. Issue? I don't think they say. Well, he checks what... the baby's pulse, and sure. then that's when he's really concerned, so... You don't check yeah. the baby's pulse and go, oh, she got a kidney issue. You know, something to do <laughs> with kidney her heart <laughs> or or something is up with this baby. And uh, I think the fact that he's a doting father is very impressive considering his wife is like, let's just go get drunk. Yeah. I, I do love when uh, Ross uh, meets up with uh, Dwight. He's like, man, get ready for life's greatest adventure. And it's like, Ross, you literally sprung this man out of a French jail that wasn't a, a better adventure than raising a kid but pardon me you're we never see you interact with your children ross yeah you literally left for working. london <laughs> what, what are you what is this talk about that being the greatest adventure man <laughs> that's ross for you yeah he's he's a man of contradictions uh well number one i got george okay i mean and i figured that's a logical one he bounced back from last week he took a huge l he came up with a good plan it seems like it's already falling his way you know, he's already got a, a guy on the hook to, to sell him a, a burrow. So, I mean, and he's already got the upper hand, too, on this, this Pasco situation. He may be owning a lot of land soon. So, kudos to George for figuring a way to get back, man. Okay. Well, I got Ross at number one. Okay. <laughs> for pretty much every reason you said he fights. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's in Parliament. This, this scene of him in, in the beginning, this sort of montage... Is basically him doing everything that he said to Falmouth that he was going to do. He's like, I don't believe in slavery. Boo. And then, you know, so he's he's speaking his mind. He's showing how much he's grown as a man when he turns these two beautiful women down. He comes home. He addresses the elephant in the room. You know, this is a guy who has done some soul searching and growing. And I'm happy Mm -hmm. where he is. So that's my guy. And he wins some fights. Yeah. Just circling back to your Jeffrey Charles point, well, there was a one scene where he's drinking at the party with Verity, and she's like, "Oh, you're drinking now." He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm 14." <laughs> exactly. And she's like, "What about George?" And George looks like he's about to come over there and, and say, "Like, you know, put that away." But he's intercepted by uh, the Adderley figure and, and whoever is trying to sell land. So there, Jeffrey Charles just keeps drinking. There's also the line that Elizabeth says that. You know, Ross is like, oh, I've been seeing a lot of Jeffrey Charles in London. And Elizabeth's like, yeah, I know. He's really happy about that. And Ross is like, yeah, I know. We cool. We hang out with the woman of the night. 
I don't go. I, I don't do anything. I don't do nothing. You know me. I'm a man of honor. There. I would never do anything questionable with a woman. I would have loved it if that scene went with uh, Demelza and uh, Ross at the end, where like, oh, it was Elizabeth there. Yeah, it was Elizabeth. I didn't do anything, but let me tell you about London with Jeffrey Charles. Hey, he says, "How I didn't do anything there either." I just sat the entire time, and he did it all. I just watched. I just watched. I'm here for a good time, not a long time, as Tolly would say. A hundred percent. So that is this week in Poldark. Mm-hmm. Dave, you've uh, watched anything else? Uh, let me. Th- I've been away. I was in the Adirondacks this weekend, so not too too much. What about you, Corey? Anything good? No, it's just uh, football's back, and I just realize how much time it just takes out of my life, and I need to be better about this. I can literally sit there for hours and just watch football. <laughs> I did watch the last half of the Bills game on Thursday from the Adirondacks. That was fun. Yeah, they just whooped on the Rams. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Super Bowl champions. I don't know much about football, but I was with uh, one of my brother's friends is a, Ra- a Bills fan. Mm-hmm. So a uh, contingency on, on the little trip was that he find a place to watch the Bills game. So we watched the go. Bills game. Yeah, my Broncos, uh, they lost in the most heartbreaking fashion last night. But that's okay, onward and upward. Uh, yeah. Oh, I did watch the Thor movie that, that came out recently on Disney+. Plus. It's fine. I'll forget about it. It was, it was just very forgettable. <laughs> they, they didn't seem to care. I don't need to care. It was fine. Yeah, we saw Taika cash the easiest check he's ever cashed. Uh, you know, I, I put a review on Letterboxd, and it's like, they use all these Guns N' Roses songs in the movie, but they don't use Patience? Like, come on. There's so many scenes they could have used Patience in that movie. That's a good Guns N' Roses song, and you're not using it. It was a hit, too. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. You're, you're, you're lazy. Well, they blew all the budget on all those other Guns N' Roses songs, so. <laughs> That's how it goes. Well, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. We're, we have our whole archives on our website on the Podbean. You can always leave us a five-star rating and review if you so choose. Thank you, Patricia, Patricia Insta. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, the thank you. Review on iTunes. Um, you can leave one on the Spotify as well if you so choose. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hit us up at lordsgrantham at gmail.com. We're, we're, and we got a Patreon as well. We'll have another bonus episode coming for you soon. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you next time on the pod. Yeah.